us, is this the lunch loop? If so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Lung Loop Podcast, the podcast where we talk about, what is it? The intersection of markets, trading, and life. And I've been thinking, I may need to rename this podcast. I may need to change the name to the Lund Loop International Podcast. Because according to Apple Podcasts, we're no longer just getting listeners from the United States and Canada. We are now getting listeners from the UK, from Spain, from Singapore, from Australia, from Germany, from Slovenia, from the disputed zones, Burkina Faso. I mean, the Lund Loop love seems to be going global, which is pretty amazing. In a few minutes, I'm going to talk about the concept of putting in the work when it comes to trading in markets. But before I do, I've been thinking a lot about credos about core tenets of my life, and if I have any. I have some, I'm identifying them here and there. One I've had for a really long time. I don't even know how I got it. I've had it for so long. I had it when I was a kid, which is really bizarre because I was never really a introspective kid. And that credo is don't get too high on your successes and don't get too low on your failures or disappointments. Not a super original credo. But I've always thought that keeping a balance was important because it's so easy to, to buy into our own bullshit and it's also really easy to get down on ourselves. And so I've tried to stay balanced throughout my life when good things happen or bad things happen. But like all these credos and all these life lessons, you forget about them. And so I had kind of drifted away from that concept and it smacked me full in the face last Saturday. Now, if you were here last Saturday on the podcast, I was wrestling with an existential question. And the question was, am I being a good parent? And more specifically, I was wrestling with the question, have I pushed my kids outside of their comfort zones enough? My kids are creatures of their devices. And if they had their way, they'd always be on their devices. And I felt like I haven't pushed them enough into social situations, into sports situations where they can interact with people. And I talked about how a few weeks ago, my daughter had been invited by some friends to go to Universal Studios Hollywood for Fright Night. And when it first was brought up to me, I really wasn't down with the concept. And here's why. It involved me driving her up to Universal Studios on a Friday night, which is when you fight the worst traffic in Southern California. I usually spend Friday night doing the Lun Loop, so that was gonna be a problem. And then the other problem is once I drop her off, I got six hours to burn in Hollywood on a Friday night. Like, what the hell am I going to do? So I was not down with this concept at all. But I pushed through all that and I said, hey, this is the exact thing you're talking about. You want your kids to do these social events like this. You need, you need to man up. You need to parent up and do what you got to do. Take her up there and expose her to this, this, this social event. So I talked about that on last week's podcast. I actually recorded the podcast from my car in the parking lot of Universal Studios. And look, to be honest, 
it was a little bit of a victory lap, you know. I was a little bit of look, look how great I am, you know. I, I, you know, I really, I really pushed myself through, and I fought traffic, and I did all this great stuff, and yeah, maybe I'm a good dad, right? Well, what I didn't tell you about because it hadn't happened yet was what happened after I was done recording the podcast. So I will tell you that now. All right, so I'm finished recording the podcast. I still have five hours to burn. I think, what am I going to do? And then I realized, you know what? There's a restaurant that's not too far away that maybe I'll get go get dinner at. It's one of the flagship restaurants from the chef uh, Ludo Lebrev. I think that's how you say his last name. He's one of those celebrity chefs. He's a friend of Bourdain's. And um, I'd been to his fine dining restaurant a number of years back on a birthday event. But he has these two brasseries that um, I wanted to try, you know, like a French style brasserie. So I got on my phone to see if there was any availability. Sure enough, they had a space for a single loser. So I, I booked it. And not only was there a space available, but there was a space available at the chef's table, which is where you get to sit and actually watch the, the kitchen staff and the chef prepare the meal. So I thought this is great. So drove down there got into the restaurant, got seated, ordered a beer, ordered some appetizers, looked down the menu. They had a fantastic menu. I ordered a, a tomato salad, like an heirloom tomato salad. And then I decided I was going to have sole, which I've never really had sole prepared in the traditional French style before. So I thought, you know, I'm going to treat myself. And, and again, I was a little bit like, hey, you know what? Uh, this is uh, something I deserve. You know, I'm parent of the year now. So I'm going to drop 200 bucks on dinner. So I'm there. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And uh, all of a sudden, the phone rings. And I look at the phone, and I see it's my daughter's name. And this is really odd because she's been at Universal Studios now for at least an hour. So I pick up the phone, and the first thing I hear is crying. Now, it was probably only about a second or a second and a half from when I heard the crying to when she started to speak. But for me, it seemed like a thousand years. And of course, my mind is starting to go all over the place as to what could be going on. It's like that situation that parents will recognize when you get a call from your kid's school in the middle of the day, and it seems like the person on the other end is speaking in slow motion. You know, it's like, hi, this is Susan from your son's school. I'm the assistant clerk in the front office. We have a situation that, and you're just like, really? Did they not teach you on the first day of front office clerkship that you get right to the point? You call and you say, hi, this is Susan from your son's school. Your son's totally fine. Everything's okay. I just want to let you know you haven't signed up for parent-teacher conferences. I mean, it's the same thing when you get a call from your doctor's office and you're waiting for test results and someone calls and they go, Hi, this is Susan. Apparently, Susan has two jobs. This is Susan from Dr. So-and-so's office. Your doctor was looking at the test results, and she wanted me to... And you're just like, no, this is how it goes. Hi, Mr. Lund, this is Susan from Dr. So-and-so's place. Your tests are negative. Have a great day. Anyway, in that second and a half, my mind went to all these horrible places. Finally, she started talking, and through the tears, here's what I made out. Dad, you bought the wrong ticket. 
Now, I'm six foot four. I immediately went to about one foot two. I felt so small. I felt horrible because as we were getting closer and closer to Universal Studios, my you know 16 year old teenage daughter who barely says two words these days was getting so excited. She just couldn't shut up. Like, this is gonna be so great. I'm so excited about it. And now she's crying. She's at the front gate. She's like, dad, I can't get in. My friends are already in. It's the wrong ticket. Of course, I'm thinking immediately fix it mode. Like the first thing I'm thinking is, is there not a manager or some adult there that is witnessing this, that is saying, hey, you know what? We get it. You bought the wrong ticket, but you still paid 120 bucks for this day ticket. We're going to let you in. And that was the situation. I had bought a day ticket. I didn't realize that there was a separate ticket for Halloween Fright Night. I can't imagine this is the first thing it's first time it's ever happened and that somebody wasn't stepping up and figuring it out. My daughter doesn't have those skills because she's not a social person, which is, again, on me. If it was me in that situation, I would just be, you know, digging and digging and digging until I either found a solution that got me in or they kicked me out. Anyway, she's crying. I can't go in. They're sold out of the tickets I need. My friends are all in, and you need to come back and pick me up. So I told her I'd come get her, hung up. I immediately stood up looked around trying to find my waiter because I was going to say, look, I, I have an emergency. I know I've already ordered my food. I'll just pay for it, but I got to leave. Now, my waiter had been shadowing me every 10 seconds from when I walked in. Like, how do you like the olives? How do you like the bread? How do you like the salad? Can I get you another beer? Now I can't find him. Now I'm looking all around. And I'm doing that thing where like I, I'm, I'm scanning the restaurant with a particularly stern look because I'm hoping that some of the staff comes over and says, uh, sir, is everything okay? And I can say, no, I got to get out of here. Nobody's biting. Finally, I lock eyes with him on the other side of the restaurant, give him the little heads up and he starts coming over. But before he gets to me, the phone rings again. It's my daughter. She says, dad, Candace says that I might be able to buy this universal ticket. And if I buy the universal ticket, I can get in, but it's, it's an extra $120. And, and I, I don't want to have, I said, buy the ticket, buy the ticket. When we were driving up there, I gave my daughter a hundred dollars and I said, I don't want to see this hundred dollars again. Take this, spend it on whatever you want. If you don't spend it all, that's fine. Just keep it. Then I gave her another hundred dollars. I said, this is for emergencies. Unless there's an emergency, I want to see this $100 again. I also made sure that she had her debit card for her high school checking account, which has a few hundred bucks in it. I also gave her some pepper spray and an a emergency whistle. So I had prepared her, right? Gave her a backup of a backup of a backup. And now it was, she was seeing how it was working in, in the real world. And I said, take that money I gave you. Use that to buy the ticket. Just don't worry about it. She's like, well, maybe you can get a refund. I'm like, don't worry about it. Just see if you can get this ticket and get in there. She says, okay, I'll try. Hangs up. And I'm sitting there and the phone is not ringing and there's no text. And this goes on for about 20 minutes. And I'm really starting to feel like I'm going to beat myself up. And I'm trying to pull in all the stoicism and all the Ryan Holidayism and everything I've been reading and regurgitating for the past few years to kind of self-soothe because I want to go to this place of like, you fucking idiot. You know, you, you, you ruined the night for your daughter. She was so looking forward to this. You blew it. 
And not only did you blow up, but you thought you were so awesome that you were super dad, but you were just deceiving yourself. And, you know, I kind of, I moderated a little bit. I started saying to myself, look, you didn't know there were two tickets. Don't beat yourself up. And I also started to say to myself, well, you know, you've had a lot of things when you were a kid that you were disappointed on that didn't go the right way. And theoretically, you turned out okay. And no matter how this goes, she'll probably be okay in the end. Because, of course, I'm thinking this is the event that will cause her to, you know, I don't know, somewhere down the line, marry the wrong guy and uh, get addicted to crack and then be homeless. And, you know, I will have ruined her life because she did not get into holiday fright night. Anyway, I'm catastrophizing a little bit, but I... I kind of pulled it back a little bit. I text her. I said, hey, any progress? And she texts back, I think I think we have a chance. You know, it's looking better right now. I'm like, okay. Finally, another 10 minutes later, she calls. Okay, I got the extra ticket. I'm in. I said, great. Just get in there. Have a good time. If you guys need extra time, stay. Just whatever you need to do. Okay. Get off the phone. Now, again, I'm... I'm high on myself again. I'm super dad. Everything worked out. While I was going through all this, a family had sat next to me on the uh, the chef's table, uh, family four, and the, the mom was right next to me. And I was just so excited. I turned to her. I said, you're a parent, right? And she said, yeah. I said, can I just share with you a parent win story? And she's like, sure. So I told her the whole story. She laughed. She said, that's great. You need to order yourself a dessert. I said, God damn it, you're right. So I ordered myself a, a creme brulee. Again, feeling, you know, pretty self-satisfied. Got done with dinner, went over to a bookstore, went down and hit a cigar bar that I knew in in Beverly Hills, uh, burned up the five hours, got back to pick her up. And I could see when she was walking, I I could see by the gate, the way she was walking, that uh, things weren't all hunky-dory. So she got in the car and I said, uh, hey, how'd it go? And she's like, well, look, I'm not complaining, Dad, and I'm I'm not mad. But the fact is, is that by the time all this was figured out, we got into the the park. Uh, there wasn't that much time left. We only got to go on three rides. I think one of the other issues was, if you've ever seen eight or ten teenagers at a amusement park try to figure out where to go, you know, it's like, well, you want to go over here? Like, well, I don't know. You want to go over here? And they're not real efficient on their time. So I don't think that the time that she had left was used very well. I think also she was so excited about the event. And then she got so disappointed, was so upset when she thought she couldn't get in that even after it all resolved, she never kind of got back to that level of excitement. So it seemed anticlimactic, probably a little upset because she, um, you know, maybe because she got so emotional and cried. So it wasn't the best of nights for her looking back on it now though with a little bit of distance i have to say i think it's okay because i think that night reminded me again not to get too excited on things that are working out and not to get too down on things that aren't this is something that happens in the market a lot you get on these streaks where you're you're winning and you it seems like you can't do anything wrong and you get a little bit cocky and that's usually when you have your biggest losses so it was a good reminder for that but it was also really good i think for her because even though i want her and my son to be out in these social situations i don't want them to be these um hermetically sealed, homogenous, perfect situations. Um, 
it's okay for things to go wrong because that's what happens in life. And I think being exposed to those sort of situations will help her get that same understanding of, you know, you don't get too overly excited, but don't get too down on yourself. And I think also it will help her to build some anti-fragility. And ultimately that's what I'm looking to have happen. Uh, Is this the lunt loop? For the past few years, I've been a parent representative for my son's school district. And what happens is each school district has two parent representatives, and then we meet with the other five school districts and some uh, administrators four times a year. It's all built around how to provide support for parents with special needs kids. And one of the things that we do is we do an online course each year based upon a subject that we think will resonate with, uh, with parents of special needs kids. But every year of the people on this group change. I'm probably one of the only consistent people for the last three or four years. And when we get to the point where we try to discuss what this topic is going to be, not everybody kind of understands the concept. What we get a lot of times are these very overreaching ideas, these very ambitious ideas that really don't jive with the scope of the project or with the budget constraints that we have. It's like if you had a small town in North Dakota and their city council met and were discussing a proposal for how to stop the Russian-Ukraine war. It doesn't really make sense. This week we had a Zoom call. There are about 20 parents on this call. And the administrator said, okay, we need to decide on what this year's topic is going to be. And all of these different topics came flying out and just they're just all over the place they weren't very realistic i listened to everyone put them out there and the the general consensus was they wanted to do a program or an online course for parents that would help them with their kids and devices and social media the overwhelming theme was Kids are spending too much time on their devices. They're getting too distracted. They're losing their social skills. They don't know how to interact. And we need to do this training for parents so that they can support their kids. Okay, fine. One of the parents said, I wish there was some sort of book out there that we could use as the basis of this training. I said, well, there is a book. It's a book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. It's a really good book. It talks about how to remove excess social media, excess devices from your life, but in a smart, strategic way. Then the conversation shifted to, wow, how if we could only access this book, where could we access this book? And so I said, well, let me put a link in the chat to this place called Amazon, where you can find this book. Everyone was like, oh, great, great. About five minutes later, someone chimed in, Boy, it would really be good if we could just find a summary of this book somewhere. And I was thinking to myself, do you understand the irony here? You're you're talking about how it's a problem that people have distractions, they don't have focus, they have too much social media, too many devices in their life, yet you can't take the time, you can't carve out an hour a, a night to read this book and to understand some of the tenets and how you might be able to change this uh, behavior with yourself or your kids. Okay, fine, whatever. I went to this place called Google, searched, found a site where they do abstracts of books, 
Cal Newperts was there. So I put that link into the chat. Somebody else then chimed in five minutes later. Boy, it'd be really good if we could just get this book boiled down to about five bullet points. And it hit me. Oh, wait a minute. Nobody really wants to do the work to solve the problem. They just want to talk about, but they don't want to put in the time, the effort, the hours that need to be put in to solve this problem. Okay, I get it. I see this a lot when it comes to trading. People that don't want to put in the work to be successful, to be prepared to take advantage of opportunities when they come up. By the way, I'm super susceptible to this as well. There are times when I say, you know what? I've done this for 35 plus years. I'm just going to skip the work tonight. I'll just wing it tomorrow. I know what to look for. And, and that's usually when I get my face ripped off. For me, the work entails reviewing my charts, seeing where I think the opportunities are, knowing the levels I'm going to get involved in, seeing what the overall market looks like. You know, that's my prep. That's my work. I like to do it the night before. I like to come in the morning fresh, not chasing news, not chasing red herrings here. That's my work. But I've seen two other versions of work that people try to put in. And one, I would say, is work avoidance. And I would say the other is overwork. So the work avoidance, the way this one works is, it's like I used to make this joke about my mom, is that whenever she had something that really needed to be done, like let's say there was a, a crack in her window and uh, the rain was coming in and she it needed to be fixed. She wouldn't just call the handyman to come out and fix it. You know, She would make an appointment to get on the phone to talk to them about when they could potentially come out and then maybe make another appointment to talk about pricing and then make an appointment to make an appointment. It was all it was all designed to push off having to do the work. It felt like work, but it wasn't really work. This is what I find with people when it comes to trading uh, a lot. They, they want to read this book or they want to subscribe to that service or a big one is um, overanalyzing, running things through so many different filters and, 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 so many different scenarios and using too many indicators and too many studies. And another one is paper trading. That's why I don't like paper trading because paper trading to me is just avoidance work. It's, it's pushing off doing the real work. Um, the real work involves getting involved, getting involved in the market. Um, the real work involves saying, okay, put some money on the line. I made money. Why did I make some money? Uh, I lost money. Why did I lose some money here? Uh, that might mean journaling. It's a process, right? It's a refining a process. So some people get involved in the avoidance work, but then there's this other side that is overwork. I saw this this week in another discord. From time to time, I'll pop in trading discords just because I want to see, is there something they're doing there that I can do better in my Discord? And by the way, some of these Discords are nuts. It's like looking at a a, a pachinko machine or like a, a, like some frenetic art, uh, art sculpture. There's just 
notifications popping up everywhere and bots and messages and I can't even track it. I mean, it hurts my head to even look at it, but I'm popping in these discords because I want to see, are there some best practices? Is there a way I can uh, reformat the discord so that people can get information in better ways? I'm, I'm always just trying to improve. Uh, and also I'm on the lookout to see are there people we want to uh, partner up with. Is there, um, is, do they provide information they have access to information that might be valuable if i can pull something out of this discord and share it with the lunloop subscribers more value for the lunloop subscribers so i was in this discord earlier this week and uh, my my head hurt uh i watched them on friday morning trade and it's it's they've got like a call out channel where um these three traders call out their trades let's just assume that they're really doing these trades. I don't know if they are or they're not, but they're they're representing that they're doing these trades. And so we had this big update on Thursday and I talked in the daily update about, hey, let's let's take a little pause, a reset here because there's no real scenario on Friday that was that was that gave us an edge. You know, if we if we gap up at the open, that's going to be suspect. Um if we open lower. We don't really know how much the pullback's going to go. So let's just kind of do a reset. Well, these guys, as soon as the market opened and showed any strength, they were all over it, right? They were all over it. They were getting long. They were getting long. They were getting long. And then the market started to tank and then they got out and then they got long again. And then the market tanked again. And then they got long again. <laughs> the market tanked again. Then they got short. And right after they got short, the market bounced and they kept just, it was crazy. It was just, it was just like, it was too much. It was overwork that really to me was a distraction from the real work, which in this case was just sitting and watching because that is a different form of work, right? Sometimes you just need to sit and watch and wait and be more selective. So I think it's important to to put in the work that you need to put in to, to make sure you're you're prepared, you're ready, you're successful, but not all work is the same. And I think it's really important that when we're we're looking at what we're doing for preparation, we're trying to quantify is there a real benefit to this? Is there something that's coming out the other side? that's giving me an edge, that's giving me an advantage, that's helping me see the market clearer, that's building upon previous work that I've done, or am I just doing stuff that's trying to avoid getting involved in the market? Because if I'm really doing that, if I'm trying to avoid getting involved, there's another issue there, right? There's a bigger issue. It could be a fear of loss. It could be a fear that uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, that I don't have a methodology. And then Conversely, that overwork, right? Is that busy work? Is that trying to distract me from the fact that I don't have a methodology? I don't really know what I'm doing. And it, look, I'm not talking to anyone specific and I'm using a lot of examples, very binary examples. I think there's probably parts of these that permeate through all of us at different times. Um, but I think it's something to be aware of and I think it's something to be on the lookout for and like everything we do in, in trading, you know, we never really, at least I never really solve something. You know, it's not, it's like you just don't go to the gym once 
and then you're in shape forever. It's just a, a process of revisiting things and, and, and checking in on yourself, keeping yourself honest, and uh, putting in the work is just, uh, just one of them. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund Loop, whatever you've got me on, um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, uh, actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at thelunloop.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.